continuing on in the series called Climate Change. And today's sermon is entitled, With God, Everything is Possible. Can you say that with me? With God, everything is possible. The, the key part to that is with God. So that's the thing we're going to learn about in this, uh, this sermon today is shifting our focus to being with God, especially as it relates to his word and his promises. Today, this week was not a good Bible reading week for me, and I could feel it. On Monday, I had a meeting that evening. On Tuesday, I had two counseling sessions. On Wednesday, I had church. On Thursday, I had uh, to transport the, the, my son to karate. On Friday was my daughter's birthday out of town. Then Saturday morning, I finally got to sit down and uh, read the word like I wanted to read the word because I, I don't like to just glance at it. I want to dig in and get something from it. So that's why you got a text message from me on Saturday morning saying, please read Psalms 100 chapter 118, because as I was reading it, it was blessing me. I said, oh my, this is good. I want them to be blessed as well. So that's why you got a text from me. So I allowed busyness. I'm not perfect, okay? I allowed busyness to overwhelm my evenings, and that's when I spend my time with the Lord in the Word, and I could feel a shift in my atmosphere, in my environment. I could feel a difference. I noticed a difference. I wasn't walking in the highs that I usually walk in because we have to understand that in order to walk in the high moments with God, there is a pathway that leads to him, and it's his word. You walk with God as you read and study the word. Where there is no word, there is no pathway. When there is no word, you're on your own. When there is no word, everything seems impossible. But with God, all things are possible. I've been asking and praying and believing that this church would begin to be Bible readers more than you ever have, making it a part of your daily routine. So our faith in God's word transports us from our problems to his promises. Every impossible situation becomes possible with God. So what is the importance of your Bible? Our faith in God's word transports us from problems to his promises. Every impossible situation becomes possible with God. Let's bow our heads for a moment as we pray. Lord, I thank you for a chance to get closer to heaven this morning. I thank you for an opportunity to know Jesus even more as we study the word. I pray for an anointing to be upon me to feed your sheep and to feed your lambs. I love them, God, and since I love them and you love them as well, you have charged me in feeding them good food. And there's no better food than the word of God. This is the food that nourishes our souls. This is the food that turns a dark situation into light. This is the food that changes an impossible situation into a possibility because all things are possible with you. I pray, God, that our love for streaming
streaming services and our love for cell phones and mobile devices would give way to our love for your son Jesus and that we would learn that the more time we spend in the word, the more time we spend with God. And the more time we spend with God, we begin to see things as God sees them. So the situation that we thought was impossible, the marriage situation, the financial situation, the children, whatever we felt like was impossible, now becomes possible as we see your promises in your word. Shift our thinking, God. Transform us. Lord, is there anyone in this room that doesn't really know you? If today was their last day, would they come to heaven or not? We don't want to go through religious formalities and not even really know you. We don't want to waste the opportunity to hear your word and never shift to really believing it and living by faith. So, Lord, I pray that this climate change would involve us being less sinful and more righteous, less carnal and more spiritual. And I pray these things, Lord, and I ask that you would open up their ears to hear the word of God this morning in ways that they have never heard nor understood. In Jesus' name, amen. Please turn to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. So any wives out there who like coffee in the morning and their husbands say, honey, can you put on some coffee for me? And she might come back and say, no, the Bible says Hebrews. Like, Pastor, where are you going with that? You sounded so spiritual as you said it. I didn't even know it was a joke. You set me up there, Pastor. All right, you're allowed to laugh at church. It makes your face look a lot better. We're in Hebrews chapter 4, and we're going to go from verses 1 to 12, and this is all about entering into his rest. Can you say climate change? So we are learning how to be less earthly, less affected by fear and darkness and demonic powers, and we're shifting climate. We're leaving from where we are to go to where God is. Just like if we wanted it to be 80 degrees right now, we couldn't expect that in line, but we can hop on a plane and go south, and we could reach that type of climate if we moved. So the way that we're going to move is we're going to move by faith. If you want to see things change in your life, you've got to decide that, okay, I've tried all I can on my own and things are not changing. Let me try God. Because the Bible says that with men, it is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. But without faith, we don't move. Nothing changes. Say this with me. Without faith, nothing changes. Fear paralyzes you. Doubt paralyzes you. Unbelief paralyzes you. Nothing good happens unless God does it. And God moves when we move by faith. The Bible says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. We're in Hebrews chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. It says this, God's promise of entering his rest still stands. 
So we ought to tremble with fear that some of you might fail to experience it. So we should have a desire to enter into God's rest, which is his best. And the way that he's given me to teach rest is that it stands for revelation, the R, that means what he said, that means his written word, his spoken word. E, we are empowered by what he says, because if you look right across there, we've got faith, all right? Rest also has a strategy in it because God's always going to direct us when we put our trust in him and in his word. And then finally, we can triumph in his rest because in his rest, he does all the work. In his rest, all we have to do is believe and enter in. So to enter into this climate change, we have to say, okay, I've been struggling, I've been striving, I've been trying to do things my own way. My soul is tired. My spirit is tired. I am anxious. I am depressed. I am worried. I am afraid. I don't like this environment. So I need to shift to a different climate. And the climate I'm going to shift to is I'm going to leave my work, I'm going to leave my way, and I'm going to shift over to where it's already been finished, where it's already been settled, where he's already made a way. I'm going to leave my work, and I'm going to enter into his rest, but the only way to enter into his rest is by faith. Let's keep going. For this good news that God has prepared this rest has been announced to us just as it was to them, but it did them no good. Because they didn't share the faith of those who listen to God. So some of us in this congregation and through churches worldwide, you can have some people that are super blessed and some people who are living below God's promises. What is the difference? The difference is they all heard the same word. You all hear the same preaching, but some of you don't allow faith to enter in to what you have heard and cause you to move and say, God, I believe your word. I'm going to shift to over here and trust that you can do what you said you can do. Let's keep going. For only we who believe can enter into his rest. As for, listen how serious this is. As for others, God said, in my anger, I took an oath. They will never enter my place of rest, even though this rest has been ready since he made the world. We know it is ready because of the place in the scriptures where he mentions it the seventh day. On the seventh day, God rested from all his work. But in another passage, God said, they will never enter my place of, work, of rest. So God's rest is there for people to enter. But those who have first heard this good news failed to enter because they disobeyed God. So here's what we see the difference between the blessed and those who are not blessed, those that can enter his rest and those who cannot. When we read God's word and study God's scripture, there is a blessing attached to it all. If you are obedient and follow the, and, and follow the word of God, you can enter into his finished rest while, where he's done all the work and the blessings are prepared for the righteous. Or you can do it the Frank Sinatra style, all right, and do it your way. Continue to do things your way. And that is a very prideful stance. And we know that God rejects the proud. So at some point, you got to say, my way is not working. 
I've tried long enough. I'm going to stop all this work, all this effort, and instead I'm going to move by faith into God's promises and just trust what he said and then do what he said as well. Verse 9, so there is a special rest still waiting for the people of, I'm sorry, I skipped a little bit. Verse 7, so God set another time for entering his rest, and that time is today. When is that time? Today. Listen, there is much struggle out there in the world today. There's much trouble out there, but it doesn't have to touch you, nor does it have to touch your home if you are willing to enter into that prepared place called rest. Can you say rest? rest. Say it again. Rest. You're saying it too stressful. Say rest. Rest. Ah, rest. Rest is a prepared place that God has made for those who trust him, okay? So stop trying to change him or her on your own. Stop trying to fix your boss on your own. Stop trying to find the job, the house, the car on your own. There is a prepared place called rest in which God does all the work. See, you, you have work to do, but the work that you have to do is called rest believe. The work that you have to do is called faith. Faith is the effort in which you must put forth to receive blessings in rest. I'm going to say that again. Faith is the effort in which you must put forth to receive the blessings that are available in God's rest. Okay, let's keep going. God announced this through David much later in the words already quoted. Today, when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. This needs to happen right here and right now on this corner in this church. When you hear this word, don't harden your heart. Just say, okay, God, I'm going to believe. Can you put your hand on your heart for me? I want to pray for you right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, if you sense any hardness in our hearts, would you please remove it? The hardness that hides in our hearts, God, is fear, doubt, unbelief, worry, stress, pride. There's so many things that harden our hearts against your word. So Father, I pray that you would soften our hearts this morning, that we might just be able to believe and enter into the best that you have for us, the place called rest. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you to say rest again. Rest. He doesn't want you stressed out. He doesn't want you worried. All he wants you to do is use the faith that he's given you so that you might enter into his rest. Verse 8. Now, if Joshua had succeeded in giving them this rest, God would not have spoken about another day of rest still to come. So there is a special rest. Ooh, that sounds good. Can you say special rest? Ah, that sounds good. Sometimes I would just like a special nap. But I got little kids at home, and naps just don't happen. Uh, we need to remind our children of the beauty of naps. They fight naps, but one day you'll wish you had naps. I wish I had some. Let me keep moving. I'm sorry. Where were we? I got caught up. Special rest. So there is a special rest. Oh, man, this is so good. Verse 9. 
So there is a special rest still waiting for the people of God. Say this with me. Special rest is waiting for me. Oh, my goodness. I got excited about a nap. But it says here that a special rest is still waiting for God's people. Listen to this. For all who have entered into God's rest, this is how we get in, have rested from their labors. You see that? To enter into his rest means that you've rested from your own labors, that you stop trying to fix it yourself. You've stopped trying to be God on your own. You're ready for a, uh, a, a, a uh, climate change. You're ready to leave what you, the mess you've created, because that's all we can create by ourselves. You're ready to leave the mess you've made, all right, and say, God, you know what? I'm going to cease from my own efforts, and I'm going to move over here by faith into the special rest that you have for me if I will just be obedient to your word. Verse 11. So... Let us do our best to enter that rest. But if we disobey God, as the people of Israel did, we will fall. So the way that we do not enter into his rest is by being disobedient. Disobedient people do not get to enter into the special rest. So we have to have faith. Believe God's word, and then we can enter into his rest. Verse 12, for the word of God is alive. Isn't it, isn't it amazing that we know this scripture so well, and it's parked right here. It's parked right here after talking about special rest. For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. Cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Why does that have to be there? Because the thing that, oh man, this is good. The thing that makes us leave rest is the same thing that keeps you up at night. Thinking about the problem. Worrying about the problem. How could I fix it? What could I have done better? Instead of just staying in rest, we leave rest and we go try to manipulate our circumstances on our own. But the Bible comes along and lets us know that the word of God is alive and powerful, sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, and it cuts. Why are you telling us that, God? Because there is something that needs cut off of us so that we can enter into this special rest. And the thing that needs cut off of us is our way, our will, our emotions, our timing, everything to do with us. When we stop allowing God to be God, see, the thing that needs to, uh, to cut us, that needs to be cut off from us is our power. For the word of God is alive and powerful, okay? So it doesn't say that your imagination is alive and powerful. It doesn't say that your abilities are alive and powerful. It simply says that the word of God is alive and powerful, and it's sharp, and it cuts. So when you read your Bible, like I've been begging you to do, it allows you to enter into rest because it cuts away those soulish things to allow you to be more spiritual, 
Our problem is sometimes we're too carnal. We're too earthly. We want to be like everybody else. But everybody else doesn't get to enter into the special rest. Only the children of God get to enter into his special rest. So you can't think like a man and enter his rest. You've got to think like Jesus. So the Bible is powerful and alive and sharper than any two-edged sword, and it cuts between soul and spirit, joint and marrow, and it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. So God knows that in our innermost thoughts and desires sometimes, we want to give it another shot. We want to leave his rest. We want to leave his promises and try it again on our own. Well, maybe I should go apply over at this job. Or maybe I should say it this way. Or maybe I should do it this way. Like, no, God, help me, God. How can I get rid of my thoughts and my desires? Pick up your Bible. It is the, it is the word of God is alive and powerful, and it cuts, okay? So we need to learn how to be more climate controlled, all right? Many of you have thermostats in your homes set at the temperature you desire, and now that climate is controlled. So our spirit man needs to be climate controlled. We don't want to be worldly anymore. We don't want to be carnal anymore. We don't want to be fleshly. We don't want to be sinful. We want to be sons who enter into his rest. So how do we get into that climate controlled environment? How do, after we move Move from being who we were to more like who he is in this climate change. How do we park there? How do we stay there? Let's go to Romans chapter 8, verses 5 through 14. And it says this, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. We can pause right there. If you, if, you can, if you can say this uh, to yourself and admit it, that the majority of your thoughts are sinful, lustful, prideful, then it's, it means this, that you are dominated by your sinful nature. Because that is the characteristic and the quality of a person who is dominated by that nature. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled, can you say controlled? We're talking about climate control. We're talking about, I don't want to be sinful man anymore. I want to be the Christ man. And how can I have this climate control? How can I live there? I'm sick of going in between. I'm sick of uh, some of your houses may have drafts sometimes. So you might have the heat on 75 or 80 or whatever, but still have to wear a robe and a blanket and all, a scarf even in the house. It doesn't make sense, okay? It doesn't make sense that we can be spiritual at lunchtime. Time, but then by dinner time, we're cussing somebody out. That doesn't make sense. That's not climate controlled. We should either be hot or cold. At the very beginning, we talked about how God does not like us to be lukewarm. He prefers that we be hot or cold, amen? So how in the world can these sinful creatures that we were become climate controlled where we're locked into the temperature where God desires us to be and we can be spiritual and please God? How does that happen? It happens this way. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit, all right? So we've got a thermostat at my house. 
My wife likes it a little bit hotter than I do. So she walks by and beep, 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 all right? And then I'm like, I walk in the house like, man, it is hot in here. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be a chocolate chip on the floor, all right? <laughs> so I walk over and do, 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 turn it down, okay? And that's the same thing that happens to us. The enemy desires that you be carnal. So he comes up to you and do, 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 turns your temperature down. So now you, you were spiritual. You did have a good attitude. But now the, the enemy has come along and turned down your temperature. All right? But then the Holy Spirit comes along and says, mm-mm, you're thinking wrong. That's, that's, not, that's not the climate God's going for. Beep, 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 and turns the temperature back up. Okay? How many experience that? Sometimes you're spiritual. Sometimes you're carnal. Sometimes you're in a good mood. Sometimes you're in a bad mood. No. We need to be climate controlled. We need to be one temperature. And the only way that we can be one temperature, the Bible tells us here, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So when we stop giving our sinful nature access to the temperature control, that is when we will be the temperature that God is pleased by. So you've got to be dedicated to say, you know what? I am only going to be controlled by the Holy Spirit and not my sinful nature anymore. The reason I've got a bad attitude sometimes is because I control the temperature. If I want to keep a pleasant attitude, then I've got to keep my hand off the dial and say, Holy Spirit, you lead me. Holy Spirit, you guide me. Holy Spirit, give me the, the words that are sweet. Give me temperance. Give me patience. Give me kindness. Give me joy. And the only way the fruit of the Spirit ever comes out of you is when the Holy Spirit is in control of you. But when you're in control, that's when all that ugliness happens. And you've got to know the difference. Okay, hallelujah, because those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. How do they keep it together? How do they have so much self-control? How do they have so much peace? How do they have so much joy? Because they're controlled by the Spirit of God. It's easy to know who a person is controlled by, by their fruit, by the way they behave, by the way they talk, by the way they act. Like, mm -mm, not being judgmental, but you're kind of icy, brother. That's you. That's not the spirit. And isn't it good that we have a book that teaches us the way the Holy Spirit behaves? A book that showed us how Jesus Christ treated people and how he acted? He is our model. So the beautiful thing about it is this. I've got a phone, right, uh, that's hooked to one of the offices uh, that I have at, with the sheriff's office, and I can turn it to 72 from my phone, and it'll be 72 at the office. The beauty of the Holy Spirit being in control of you is that the mind of Christ, wherever it's set at, if you belong to him, your mind will be set there too. So if his mind is at 75, your mind is at 75. But if your mind goes to 62, you can't say that's Christ anymore because that's not the temperature. That's not the behavior. That's not the character of Christ. Amen? Can I move on? Do you get that part? All right, because if you would have said no, we would have parked there for a long time. Let's keep going. Verse 7. No, let's go up. So letting your sinful nature control your mind. Oh, man, this is good. Listen to this. Letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. 
How many of you have meat in a freezer at home right now? What if you unplug that freezer? It's going gonna, it's gonna to stink, right? It's going to smell real bad, all right? That's what happens when you come unplugged. That's what happens when the Holy Spirit is no longer controlling your attitude, no longer controlling your thoughts, no longer controlling your actions. They begin to smell like the old man. They begin to smell like the sinful nature. Let's keep going. For the sinful nature, I'm sorry, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Say this with me. When I let the Holy Spirit control my mind, I have life and peace. Period. Whenever you find yourself outside of life and peace, you're no longer being controlled by the Holy Spirit. Do we, do we understand that? In order to have life and peace, the Holy Spirit has to have his hand on your heart, which is the dial. And he has to tune you in to the same frequency of Jesus Christ, right? What a gift the Holy Spirit is to reproduce uh, the, the same spirit that Jesus had within each of us. That's a beautiful thing. Verse 7. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to him at all. And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The Spirit of God, who raised Jesus from the dead, lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation. Say this with me. I have... No obligation to do what my sinful nature urges me to do. So check this out. You're in a situation where somebody makes you angry, and you can feel the devil hitting the buzz like, to turn up the, the dial on your temperature to say, you big dummy. That's Fred Sanford, by the way. All right. But. The Bible says, even though the enemy comes along to push our buttons, we have no obligation to respond. That we don't have to, because we're not controlled by our sinful nature anymore. So it's a lie for a Christian to say, I just had to go off. I just had to give him a piece of my mind. I just, now, will we sin? Yes, we will sin sometimes. But listen, it shouldn't be an everyday occurrence. All right, we should be controlled by the Holy Spirit. All right, verse 13. For if you live by its dictates, which is the sinful dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. So listen, that sinful nature wants to rise up, okay? It happens on, for all of us, all right? It wants to rise up, and we feel it rising. We feel the anger rising up. So how do we push it back down? We learn here that... 
through the power of the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature. So I really want to cuss them out. I really want to give them a piece of my mind. I really want to... Uh, Whatever, all right? But now I don't have to because the power of sin has been broken in my life, and I'm going to be controlled by the Father. I'm going to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. This is the beauty of climate change, that we don't have to be sinful anymore, that by the power of the Holy Spirit, we can turn that dial back down and say, no flesh, no sin, you cannot be here. I am going to allow the Holy Spirit to rule me in this moment. Now think about it. Somebody could come in here and do something to you uh, and make you mad and say something that, that offends you, and just because you're in this building, you wouldn't have the response you'd normally have somewhere else. So if a building has that much power, how much more power does the Holy Spirit have that lives on the inside of us? So the reason you wouldn't cuss them out or tell them off is because, is because of where you are. But I'm trying to tell you, you never have to do it because of who you are. He lives on the inside of you now, and he helps you overcome anger, overcome lust, overcome bitterness, because we don't live by our own power anymore, because we are living in a special rest. So they're over here cussing me out. Oh, I just got this special rest going on. Nope, I'm not leaving it. It's just too sweet over here. I'm not going to allow you to take me out of my peace. I'm not going to allow you to take me out of my joy. Because, you, because listen, people just don't know sometimes, do they? <laughs> We ain't always been saved. We got some crazy on board. You don't, you don't really want that to happen, all right? But the enemy wants to push those buttons to pull you out of rest, to get you into your flesh, to get you into a response so that you, he'll be able to say this. Because remember, the devil is the accuser of the brethren. So he's pushing your buttons to make you lose rest to make you walk out of that climate-controlled environment of the Holy Spirit, to get you over here back in your sinful nature so that you can tell somebody off, so that you can lose your character and lose your witness. Also, the devil can say, look, God, told you. He's not yours. He's not safe enough. He's not filled with your spirit. And then he begins to condemn you and say, see, you don't have it all together. You're not as safe as you thought. You're not holy. You might as well quit. Do you see what the devil does? He tries to make you leave rest, leave that place, that, that climate-controlled environment where God is happy with you and you are pleased with him to get right, to crawl back down into the dirty dust and mud of our flesh just so that we can uh, make ourselves feel good for going off in a moment and it's never really worth it. Amen? Amen. Say this with me. It's never worth it. It's, it's best to just stay in that special place of rest. All right, let's keep moving. All right, uh, let's go to 1 John chapter uh, 2, verses 15 through 17. So we've got to learn now that there's two different climates. 
There's the earthly climate and there's the heavenly climate. And we're trying to leave this earthly climate where there is sin and death and destruction and lust. And we're trying to get to the heavenly climate while still on earth where there is life and peace. But we've got to be able to distinguish between them and know the difference. We're in 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17, and here is the command. Do not love this world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. Wow. What's that teach us about the climate of our heart? That if we love this world too much, that there's a point that we can get to where the love of the Father isn't even in our hearts anymore. Verse 16. For the world... Offer. So this is the only climate of the world. This is all the world can give you. So if you love the world, you must understand that this is all the world can offer you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. And that is called the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. It says, these are not from the Father, but are from this world. And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who, do, who does what pleases God will live forever. Do you see why he's asking us to change our climate? To change from having a love for the world to having a love for God? Because people who do what pleases God will live forever. These are end-time messages. These messages that he's having me preach to you are end-time messages. Whether, whether or not he comes back during our lifetime or not, it's still the end time. And we don't know when we're going to leave here. So we need to turn off our love for the things of this world and begin to love the Father more than anything. And how do we know where our love is? It typically can be determined by where we spend our time. How much time does God get? Who we love also determines um, our, our level of intimacy. Are we more intimate with the world or are we more intimate with God? Do we worship God even when we're not in the church? Do we have a love for the word even when we're not in the church? I pray, see, it, you know it's religion if it only happens in this building. If it only happens when you're here, it's just religion. It's just a form of godliness, okay? So you've got to do everything that you do here has to be magnified out there, or we are just hypocrites. We come, and we praise God, and we go through all the motions in the building, but when we leave, we forget that we're the building, that we are where God lives, amen? All right, now we need to learn how to move to God's perfect will. So now we know there's a difference, okay? There's a worldly culture, and if I love this culture, uh, I don't love God. His love is not in me, and I'm going to perish. But if I love God and do what pleases him, I will live forever. So I want to move my life to over here. How do I make the shift? Let's go to Romans chapter 12, and he's going to teach us how to shift cultures, to teach us how to get this uh, climate change uh, 
law to initiate in our hearts and minds. We're in Romans 12, verse 1, it says this, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God. Say this with me. I must give my body to God. So we're talking about climate change. We're talking about going from carnal beings and sinful beings to spiritual beings and to being the temple of God and where he lives forever. Because these bodies are going to die. And these souls need a place to go. And the soul needs a home before it dies, okay? So there is no purgatory. There is no in-between heaven and hell. You make that decision now. Choose who you will serve. If he's going to be your God, then allow him to be your God and serve him now. There is no making it up after death. This is life, and God says this. I set before you life and death. Choose life. So the choosing must be done while we are alive. And here's how we shift that climate. Romans 12, verses 1 through 2. Give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. So worshiping God is not just in song. Worshiping God is when my whole body belongs to him, right? So I'm not sinning with this body. I'm not fornicating. I'm not overeating. I'm not doing anything that can bring harm to this body. This body is God's place. It's his tabernacle. It's his temple. I'm not going to dress in any kind of way that would uh, bring attention to myself that's undue. I'm going to make sure that I present myself as a person that loves God. You're not going to see me at the bar getting wasted. You're not going to see me smoking weed or smoking crack. You're not going to see me doing all these things because this body is a temple for God. If you want to change climate, you got to understand it's going to cost you something, that you've got to sign over the deed and mortgage to this body and say, God, this body doesn't belong to me anymore. It's yours. As long as it belongs to me, it's going to perish. It's going to perish. Dust from, is from where we came, and dust is where we'll return to. So if you want to see a true climate change, you got to give your whole body to God. That even means my eyes. My eyes belong to God. My ears belong to God. So I know some people say, well, oh, man, it don't take all that. You Christians, you just go too far. You don't watch certain movies, don't listen to certain music. Uh, it don't take all that. I am not going to listen to a fool. I am going to read my Bible and do what the Bible says. And it says that my body belongs to God. So if Jesus wouldn't watch it, I'm not watching it because it's his body. And I'm not going to subject my eyes to something that he's going to be seeing. That's what you got to understand. So if I'm watching it, it's broadcasting in heaven. If I'm listening to it, it's broadcasting in heaven. Do I want that to be in heaven? No, because I want heaven to be in me, right? So it's not about being a, a holy roller. It's not about being super religious or oversaved, okay? It's just about saying that if I want to live forever, and if I want to please God, and if I want to shift climates, then I've got to give my whole body to God. This body is not for sin anymore, because we did that, didn't we? We used our bodies for sin, and we did it good. And sometimes I wish that we could be as faithful in righteousness as we were in sin. Because when these bodies belong to sin, we weren't looking at our clocks, all right? Uh, 
one last call for alcohol. Well, you know, we were at the bar, and they were closing it down. But God, the janitor was sweeping peanuts, and we were still in there at the bar, and we didn't care what time it was. Because when these bodies belonged to sin, it was fully sin. It was on. All right? We were not worried about righteousness when we were in sin. But when we make this climate change over to righteousness, we got to say, you know what? This body is God's alone. And the reason I really say that this body belongs to God, that he can have a place to live here, because I was born March 8, 1977, and right now I'm in the dash, and I don't know when that end date's coming, but this soul's going to need a place to go. And since this soul needs a place to go, I have determined that, God, you can have this body right now because I know that you're preparing another body for me, a body that will be glorified, a body that will never cease to exist, a body that will be in your presence where there will be no more sickness and no more death and no more tears. That's worth it to me. It's worth it to me to give up the pleasure of sin for a little while to have eternity with God forever. So I say that this body belongs to God, and that's how we shift our climate, okay? But it doesn't just stop with the body, okay? Uh, let them be living in, in holy sacrifices, the kind that he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. That's huge. If you want to stay in the climate of blessing and the climate of the spirit, you can't look out there at the world is doing and copy them and what they're doing. Please stop doing that. Just because the line is long don't mean it's right. Do you hear what I'm saying? Just because the majority of Americans or the majority of this or the majority of that are doing it, didn't the Bible already tell us that the way to death is wide and broad and many people will be there, but the way to life is narrow and few will find it? So don't do what the majority are doing. Do what the, those who are being led by the Spirit of God are doing. Amen? Don't copy the customs and behavior of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. So there's our climate change. Number one, he's got my body. Number two, he's got my mind. And I'm being transformed into a new person because he's changing the way I think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Now, we must learn how to connect to him so that we can cast our cares. This is all part of the climate change, all right? We're in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 through 7, and it says this, Humble yourselves under the, under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Another thing that changes your climate if your climate is worry and anxiety and nervousness and fear, that means that you've created an atmosphere for those things. You've been thinking about the problem. You've been carrying the problem. If you want to change the climate from anxiety to peace, you take those cares, which are changing your temperature and changing your attitude and ruining your peace, and you cast them onto Jesus because he cares for you. The best place for a problem is in the master's hand, not in your hand. It's too big for you, so you give it over to God. We learn in Matthew 19, 26 that with God, all things are possible. 
okay? With men, it is impossible, but with God, all things are possible, okay? So that's the title of this message, with God, all things are possible. And the with God that we're learning about and talking about is God's word. So God and his word are one and the same. So if you want to be with God while on earth, you get in his word, and then you'll see things in the word that says, you know what? This is possible. The doctor says that this disease will kill me, but the Bible says that healing is the children's bread. So this is possible. See, with God, all things are possible. So leave your thoughts and worries over here. Drop them at the Lord's feet. Pick up his word, and you will be, be able to see that nothing is impossible. All things are possible with God. Now we're learning how to shift our climate. We're learning how to shift our climate because the devil is a tormentor. He will have your mind in torment. He will have you depressed and anxious and worried. He drives some people to suicide just so they can stop hearing the voices, stop being so depressed. He attacks our minds all the time. King Saul went through that. King Saul was uh, going crazy, okay? Couldn't sleep, couldn't rest. And then they said, let us call one for you who's very crafty and anointed and plays the harp. And this little boy's name was David. And we're in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 16, verses 14 through 23. I'm not going to read it. I'm going to paraphrase it for time's sake. But they would call David, look this David, okay? And he would bring his heart. And he had an anointing upon him. And as long as he played the harp, the evil spirit would leave Saul's mind and he would be free from that torment because there was an anointing upon David. What they actually said is the Lord is with him. And I'm trying to teach you that with God, all things are possible. So the impossible situations that are driving you crazy, if you add God's word to it, if you would allow that to be the transition to the with God, you would see that all things are possible and all that anxiety begins to melt away. Just last week, I had uh, uh, someone that I was talking to in the office who had been going through some anxiety. And they told me that it feels like, you know, that they're just led into darkness and led into worry. And then I said, okay, the next time that happens, I want you to do this. I said, close your eyes. And they closed their eyes, and I began to read Psalms 23 to them. And they begin to imagine the Lord being their shepherd and leading them into green pastures and leading them beside still water. It was no different than if I was David and playing a harp in my office at the time, all right? Because I was reading the word of God and it began to soothe his mind because we know that when we trust God that he leads us uh, in the path uh, for his righteousness sake. I want you to do something with me. Are we good? All right. I want you to do something with me. Here's a little exercise we're going to do, and then I've got a, a, a scripture or two, and we'll be finished here. I want you to close your eyes for a moment. I want you to think about something. I want you to meditate on some current problems that you have, or maybe even some world events that are troublingly, troubling you. Think about some current issues, some things that you just want change, maybe some things that are just irking you, just some things that cause you anxiety. I want you to think about those things. 
those things that have you worried, those things that can cause you to lose sleep? What are some of those private issues or maybe even public issues? Got gas prices are high, 7% uh, inflation. Your money doesn't go as far as it used to anymore. And then when that becomes our atmosphere, we begin to think about, well, how am I going to do this? Uh, I'm not getting raises, or even when I get a raise, the cost of my health insurance goes up, so I really didn't get a raise at all. So just think about your problems for a moment, those things that you should be casting on God, but maybe you are caring for on yourself. And I want you to recognize that by thinking about your problems, it creates an atmosphere of panic and of worry inside of us sometimes. The joy begins to be vacuumed from our lives. The light begins to fade and darkness begins to overtake us. And where there, was, was, where there once was peace and calm, fear and anxiety begins to come upon us when we think about those problems. All right, you can open up your eyes now. We're going to play a video now. And now that you've thought about your problems for a little while, we're going to sit here and watch this, and I want you to see the power of what happens when we change climates. Here we go. But the Lord is faithful, and he will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. Deuteronomy 31, 6. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them, for the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Isaiah 41.10 So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Proverbs 2.11 Discretion will protect you, and understanding will guard you. Proverbs 4, 6. Do not forsake wisdom, and she will protect you. Love her, and she will watch over you. Psalm 5, 11. But let all who take refuge in you be glad. Let them ever sing for joy. Spread your protection over them, that those who love your name may rejoice in you. Psalm 20. May the Lord answer you when you are in distress. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. Psalm 34:19. The righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. Psalm 46:1. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Psalm 57.1 Have mercy on me, my God, have mercy on me, for in you I take refuge. I will take refuge in the shadow of your wings until the disaster has passed. Psalm 59.1 Deliver me from my enemies, O God. Be my fortress against those who are attacking me. Psalm 138.7 Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. 
you stretch out your hand against the anger of my foes with your you should 100% notice a shift in your spirit from when you were thinking about the things that troubled you to where you were able to enter into his special rest. Special rest should make more sense to you now. Special rest is what he says. It's his promises. And the only way you get to enter into his rest, the only way that those Bible verses really move you or change you or transform you or transform your climate is if this, that when you hear them, they're mixed with faith. Otherwise, they're just words. When you have faith, this allows you to enter into the promises of God. I want you to learn how to do this. This is just on YouTube. And you can just type in Bible verses about anxiety or whatever, you, Bible verses about anger, whatever you're going through, and play it. Play it on your phone. Play it on your TV. And let the word of God come and transform the climate in your room and the climate in your heart. It's so important that you don't let your mind be in control. Because if your mind is in control, man, listen, if your mind is in control, the enemy can reach the thermostat. He can reach your thoughts when your mind is in control. But when you let go and say, Lord, I give control to you, then the enemy can't find you anymore because the Lord will shift you to his secret place. He will shift you to the shadow of his wings and he will minister to you. This is one of my favorite things to do is to just play Bible verses and just sit there and listen to them. The Bible says that something happens when we do that. Faith comes by hearing. So even as you listen to the word of God, faith is deposited into you. I want to close with this scripture here, Psalms 119, 101 through 105. And I wanted to, to tell you this as well. To be led by the spirit, you must be familiar with the path he takes. The Holy Spirit follows the path of God's word as well. The Holy Spirit reminds us and turns our, 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 our minds and thoughts back to God or to Jesus. So to be led by the Spirit, we must be familiar with the path he takes. That's why many of you need to start committing more Bible verses to memory. If you've got anger issues, you need, to be, you need to be memorizing Bible verses about anger. If you've got anxiety issues... You need to be memorizing Bible verses about fear. Whatever kind of issues you're having, you need to memorize Bible verses because that's going to be the roadmap back into his special place of rest. Listen to what David said, Psalms 119, 101 through 105. I have refused to walk on any evil path so that I may remain obedient to your word. Look at that. To remain obedient. Climate change and to stay there. All right. 102. I haven't turned away from your regulations for you have taught me well. How sweet your words taste to me. They are sweeter than honey. Your commandments give me understanding. No wonder I hate every false way of life. Here's the big one. Your word 
is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. The path is his word. It is a way, for Jesus is the way. Let's stand to our feet this morning. Proverbs 3, 5 through 7 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. The goal of climate change is to take our ways and thoughts higher by obeying his word. Father, I pray for those that have heard this message, God, and I pray especially for those who are going through some hard times and they want to leave the climate of worry and anxiety and they want to enter into that special place of rest that you have for them, but they can only enter by faith. Faith in what? Faith in your word faith in your promises, faith in what you've said. But if they don't know what you've said, how can they enter into the rest you've prepared? So this is why, God, that you are asking me to have them commit to daily Bible reading. The more you read your Bible, the bigger the place of rest becomes. The more you read your Bible, the larger the place of refuge you have when the storm comes. The more you read your Bible, the higher the mountain becomes in which you can stand upon when the floodwaters of life come raging at your door. The more you read your Bible, the more you will see the power of God that's available for his children. You will know his promises, and you will be able to leave the climate of sin in exchange for the climate of righteousness. It doesn't make sense to listen to preaching and remain the same. Be changed by the word. Be not hearers of the word only, but doers of the word. There's your key to climate change. Not that you heard the word, but you obeyed the word. The obedience brings the blessing. Reading brings the knowledge. Obedience brings the blessing. Reading it brings you the knowledge. Obeying brings you the blessing. If you want the blessing, don't just read it, but obey it. Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name that a love for the Bible would come back to society, God. A love for the Bible would come back to the church. Help us to stop wasting so much time on social media and television where all that stuff is fading away. And actually what's happening is the more we watch TV and social media, we conform to what we're seeing. We, God, are very absorbent because you made us to be that way. We absorb our environment. So that's why you're trying to shift us away from the patterns and customs of this world so that we can be transformed by the renewing of our mind and know your good and perfect will. God, I pray that this week that we would change more for the better, that the climate of our home would change, 
our marriages, our financial situations. I guess, God, we just need to look and see everywhere we're being disobedient. And that is the truth. To change the climate, we got to say, where am I not in rest? Where am I not in faith? Where am I not in obedience? And if I can fix these things, if you will put my heart to change these things, God, I will enter into your special rest by faith. Lord, bless your people today. Lock this word deep in their hearts that it cannot be stolen in Jesus' name. Amen.